The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network across the area from Central Florida on up into Gainesville. We're glad to have you along with us in the studio today, a first-time guest. So nice to have Selena Brainin Matos here. Selena, welcome. Thank you. Now, I know that you're in the healthcare industry, but a, a leg or a division of it that I've not been that personally familiar about, you lead Forward Focus Holistic Health. And you've been doing this for how long? Um, I've had my own company for the last two years, but I came away from the traditional medical environment four years ago, um, started doing some home health and then transitioned into what I felt God was calling me to do, which was launch my own company. And that's what you did. Yes. And it's based out of Winter Springs. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to hear a lot of the details about what Selena does, but first we want to get to know you a little bit. I understand you were born and perhaps raised for a while in Puerto Rico, right? Yes. Um, I was born in Puerto Rico and at an early age, my parents divorced um, and uh, I, we ended up in San Francisco, California, where my mom uh, was uh, pursuing her, her theater career um, as a single mother as well. And I would spend my summers in Puerto Rico with my father. Mm. And then I ended up going back to the island at the age of 15. My mom gets ill and I go to live with my father um, and my stepmother. So you've got a little bit of both in your growing up years, the United States as well as Puerto Rico. Yes, definitely. And you've seen a lot of changes in Puerto Rico, I would imagine as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the God blessings of that upbringing was um, being exposed to diversity, mm -hmm. diversity in cultures, diversity in environments. Um, and that's been an incredible gift. Because you realize that we are one as people, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there isn't separation. We are all children of Christ. It may look very different, though. Now, with that kind of a background, kind of a split family at an early age, mm -hmm. and then moving in the United States all the way out. I mean, you've gone from Puerto Rico all the way to California. That's quite a, a run right there. What was it like growing up from a standpoint of your relationship with God? Um, there really wasn't a relationship with God, to be honest. My parents were, my mom was raised Catholic, a um, military family. And um, I think they, they had a little bit of religious trauma, both of my parents. Um, my father was raised in a Baptist environment, but mm -hmm. he was raised amongst a stepfather who was politically in a very high position on the island of Puerto Rico. But there was sexual and, um, and physical abuse in his home. And in my mother's home as a military and Catholic background, um, she had also been, you know, hit by nuns because she was a lefty and she was brilliant and she was, a, you know, somebody who pursued theater, even though she was a brilliant student. She was shunned by her parents when she left um, Sarah Lawrence College in New York to pursue theater and do um, work that was like the Peace Corps in Puerto Rico in her 20s. Mm -hmm. now, so, when you say theater, we're talking about like off-Broadway type of theater or what was it like? Yeah, I mean, it was what they would call the theater cultural center of the inner cities. Okay. So it was definitely not a Broadway. Maybe you could compare it, compare it 
Like a civic theater type mm-hmm. of thing? Mm-hmm. Yes, but they would tour also throughout different states and sometimes Central America as well. So she was a singer or actor or both? Both and writer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough uh, way to make a living for sure. For sure. <laughs> they don't call it starving artists for nothing, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's something. And, you know, I'm intrigued by what you said about uh, being uh, struck because she's left-handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lefty. I think that, uh, is that what you were referring to? Yes, that's what the nuns did. You know, that, there are so many people. My dad, when uh, I was a young guy, I'm left-handed too, although I'm kind of one of these ambidextrous uh, type of folks. I do, I'm, I'm all mixed up, friends. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but my dad told me the same kind of thing when he was young. The teachers would literally take a ruler and smack him in the hand to say, no, wrong hand, use your right hand to write. I know. Isn't that something? Yes, quite quite traumatic. Now, I, I wanted to be sure that you weren't talking about being struck because of being a, a left-leaning, politically speaking. Right? <laughs> no, so, no, no. So it was left an honest-to-goodness left-handed. Well, we all know that we lefties are in our right mind, right? <laughs> right. That? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it. Oh, Selena, so you've got you've uh, been over in Puerto Rico. At what time, at what part of your life did you make the move permanently back to the U.S.? At the age of 15. Oh, I mean, to back to Puerto Rico. I was in, in the U.S., um, till the age of 15, mm-hmm. I would spend my summers in Puerto Rico. My brother and I started traveling alone um, when I was four and he was three. We would cross the nation and a little bit of the Caribbean to get to spend summers with my father. But then I ended up going back to Puerto Rico at 15 because my mom became ill. Right. So. so what brought you back to the U.S.? Oh, back to the U.S. Um, I, I, Well, the, the construction industry, I mar- married an engineer, country boy from Puerto Rico. And um, the construction industry started crashing in 2006, you know, kind of mm-hmm. similar to what we yeah, were seeing. Right, just a little bit before it hit here. Yes, yeah. yes. Puerto Rico is, is, is a lot of the phenomena that we experience in the U.S. happen in Puerto Rico, but there's additional brokenness in the system. We don't have all the benefits that the U.S. citizens, I mean, we are U.S. citizens, but we don't have all the benefits that you have on the mainland. Mm-hmm. And many of these phenomena hit hard. It's also a small space. So any phenomena, social, you have a lot of people in a in a in a small space. So um, so that that made it so when the industry crashes, we have two children in Puerto Rico. You either study in schools that are kind of low income phenomena or poor impoverished communities where the education is limited, or you work really hard to get your kids into private school of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, electricity bills are double what you pay here. Really? Yes. And the service that I understand is not all that great for no, that. No, it's not. So it makes it hard for the middle class families to progress in Puerto Rico. Therapists get paid a half or a quarter of what they would get paid here in the U.S. Now, you mentioned your husband was an engineer. What about that field? Correct. Well, when the industry, when the when the construction industry crashes, and I'm only making a small therapist mm-hmm. salary in pediatrics on the island, we decide, well, our, our, our way to balance it is for us to go to the mainland, you work and you substitute my engineer salary, and I find something till I learn English. Because also when you're raised in the countryside of Puerto Rico, you don't have cable TV and you don't have access to a bilingual education. So that... I would, I'm surprised at that because I would have thought that even in the rural areas, they would have had uh, the ESL, uh, you know, the kind of classes 
But that wasn't the case then. No, it's exactly what you experience here with with taking Spanish throughout. Ah, okay. That you learn it in a little bit. Yeah, you learn it a little bit, Un and poquito. if you don't, if you don't use it, you, it's never really a working language. Exactly. I took German in high school, and I I learned enough to read. I could read German, uh, and I could speak a little bit. But I found out very quickly when I had an opportunity to talk to a family from Germany that was visiting that I, I couldn't communicate, uh, you know, not the way, because they have slang, they have, they would speak much faster than what I would be reading. And so it doesn't, if you don't, if you're not immersed in the culture, if yes. you don't spend time there, I don't think you ever really learn the way you should learn. Definitely, definitely. And it's interesting because also you get exposed to books because many of the curriculums are in English. So it's very, it's very common that Puerto Ricans can read it but they can't speak it very well. Hmm. Um, so again, different areas of the brain, as I learned later as a therapist. And so like you're saying, if you don't actually practice or stimulate that area yeah. of the brain, you know, yeah. you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. I had an interview as most interesting uh, with a, a person who was telling me about an injury that he had. And it was a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And after that injury, as he was recouping and doing the therapy, uh, there were things that came out, abilities that he had that he did not enjoy before the accident. And, you know, we hear the jokes about having using half our brain sometimes, mm -hmm. but, but there's, it's amazing, isn't it? How God made our brain to be so expansive. And there are pockets of, I guess, abilities that we can discover through maybe even an accident that we can do that. And we just never did it before. Yes. But that is true. And that's got to be fun for you as a therapist to kind of help people unlock that. It is. It is a blessing to see that unfold. What kind of schooling did you have to take? Um, I went to school in, in the medical campus of the University of Puerto Rico, and it was a occupational therapy program that at the time was a bachelor's degree. Um, you would graduate and you would take your boards to either practice on the island or practice in the States, which was a separate exam. Um, it took me many, many times to take the U.S. boards and pass mm -hmm. them just because it was in, in it was a lot of reading. And I, I was, you know, diagnosed with dyslexia as a child. So that was a definite challenge. I did pass my boards to practice on the island, um, but I kept at it till I achieved it. Uh, and um, that now has become a program that be became a master's degree. And now they're looking to convert it into a doctorate. But if you passed your boards, you were grandfathered in to practice in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's not just the fact that they didn't recognize uh, the degree you had there, but there are boards that you have to take in classes. I, are, is there ongoing educational classes that are involved as well? Definitely. I mean, you have to take continued education um, to renew your license every two years. Um, I, I became so passionate about that when I came to the States because I had access to like all the courses I had dreamed taking. Uh, and you renew your license with 30 credits and I, I would renew my license with over a hundred because I was so excited that I could go on a weekend and hear orally and have hands-on learning experiences oh, wow. and learn, learn skills that I could help my clients with. It kept it interesting. And I always thought, well, Lord, just give me tools and then, you know, you will guide me mm -hmm. on how to use them. Now, I've learned a little bit about dyslexia from my buddy, John Crossman, who talks about it regularly on his program that we produce here in The Shepherd. 
And he, uh, he tells me that that's kind of almost a lifetime battle that you have to deal with, with this thing. But uh, you've, you've found a way to overcome that. Definitely. I mean, I think technology, that's one of the blessings of technology. We know there's many, there's many curses of technology yeah, these days. Yeah, that would be true. <laughs> but I have to say to be able to dictate into my phone when I have thoughts and it corrects my spelling and I can have Grammarly on my phone to, to, to fix it. I mean, I still have when I do post or social medias or when I'm going to do some writing that's going to be publicized some way, mm-hmm. I always ask friends to proofread. <laughs> I think that's a wise thing for regardless of dyslexia. That's a wise thing to do. Yeah. I, I have someone that edits my work as well. So yeah, and and I was never uh, never fighting that kind of a problem, but it's a good thing. Right. Much easier than back in the day when I did I did my internship and I ended up going back to the States. And did my internship in San Francisco General Hospital in the psych um, ward. And at that time, we would have to document for every client in a group session. And it was handwritten. So I have to look up words in a dictionary because I didn't know how to spell it. And it was going to go into a medical record. Oh, yeah. So I'd end up finishing at 5 o'clock in the afternoon my internship hours. But I'd end up staying with the second shift till about 8 o'clock till I finished my documentation. And now I can dictate into my phone and put into a medical record. Yeah. And if Siri cooperates, it looks a lot better, but sometimes we all know that it doesn't work out so well when you're dictating into the phone. Yes, yes. And that's funny. Uh, we, uh, we know that you, you did, at, at this point, you, you mentioned your background wasn't, uh, as a young person, wasn't in church, really didn't have a relationship with God as a young girl. At what point in time and what were the circumstances that you had an encounter with God? Yeah, uh, it was high school. Um, I mean, it was late. Actually, my first few, my first couple of years of college is when I really solidified. Like, I gave my life to Christ at twenty. Uh, but I was spot part when I end up in Puerto Rico at the age of fifteen. I end up in a small bilingual school. We were the first graduating class of ten. Wow! And I was, you know, the child that was had been, you know, brought to Puerto Rico because of the situation with my mom. I lived with my father and a, a stepmother who was five years older than me. So we all knew each other. We all knew our family, our, our families. So these families would take it upon each other to kind of create this extended community. And there was a mom of one of my friends from high school who had been praying, insisting, inviting me to church um, throughout my high school years. But I end up getting there in my early college years because I started suffering from anxiety. Um, I mean, I was always an anxious child. But it got serious. It got where I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety and panic disorder in my college years. That's really not that uncommon, right? With people who are from broken families and having the tension and the stress that that causes, it's really not that uncommon. It isn't. And I think nowadays, you know, if you add in the many stressors that people are exposed to, like we don't know what straw is going to break the camel's back. Right. And it, it, you kind of get to that point of that threshold where... um where it, it can get to the other side. And that's where I was grabbing on to a relationship with Christ. I was desperate for it. I would sit at church sobbing and I would sit and have all these, if with anxiety, you have these constant negative thoughts, right? So you've got speedy on speed, on, on speed dial. You're, you're going through these negative mm-hmm. thoughts. Meanwhile, you're wanting to believe that you're a child of God. So I was sitting at church kind of conflicted, right? With this like am I really a child of God or am I these negative thoughts that I'm hearing that I'm going to end up depressed, that I'm going to end up in a psych ward, that I'm going to end up. And so I would have these, 
you know, I, I used to feel like I had the devil on one shoulder and then some angels on another yeah. shoulder. And I would see these, these images in church throughout these, like this overload of thoughts. I would see myself speaking, telling this story, like God was calling me. He would tell me, don't lose hope. And many times I had to keep the gospel in my own life. Very simple, like worshiping, like reminding myself that we serve a God of love and really not believing some of the people at church that sometimes would pray and would say that I was like possessed demonically because I had anxiety, mm -hmm. you know? And I think sometimes in our religious environments, judgment comes in. We see mental health issues from a very spiritual perspective. I'm not saying that isn't more spiritual than we think, but there's physiological imbalances. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where this passion sparked that yeah. I was going to now later in my life, many years later, is like, how can we address body, spirit, mind within the gospel? That's such a great discovery to find out that there are some things that might be triggering this mental health kind of a, a trauma that's going on. It's not always uh, spiritual, as you said. Sometimes there are issues that are going on. It can be imbalances, like you said, hormone imbalances, or even medical. Lots of times people are taking medical drugs, uh, prescribed drugs, that they're allergic to and they don't know it. Correct. Correct. So that happens. If you've just tuned in, my guest today is Selena Brainen Matos, and she is with Forward Focus Holistic Health. We're going to get uh, a bit of a deep dive into this whole world of therapy, and especially with the leanings into the kind of therapy that Selena does. When we return, don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again for segment two, and with me in the studio is Selena Brainan Matos. Uh, Selena leads Forward Focus Holistic Health. And during the break, we were talking about her last name, which is a hyphenated name. And I really didn't know all of the cultural uh, emphasis and meaning behind that from Puerto Rico. So why don't you explain what all of that means? Your name, Brainan Matos. So when you're born in Puerto Rico, you can have a first and middle name, of course, but you always will end up with first your father's paternal last name, hyphen your mother's paternal last name for the rest of your life. So when you get married, you still keep that. Now I am Brain and Matos, and my husband is Pagan Rivera, and my children are Pagan, their paternal, mm -hmm. and then Brainin, my paternal. Okay. So that uh, that becomes, like you said, something that is part of their life for their entire life. If they want to do that, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that's, you know, this is a beautiful cultural thing that because of the United States and Puerto Rico being so close and and together in, in uh, the, the whole form of government that we have, uh, this is a, a common thing. And there are a lot of people that may have the same kind of hyphenated last name that I think for me, I didn't understand the cultural background. So that's very helpful. Yeah, I think it's really helpful, especially if you're in Florida, where, you know, central Florida is about 40% Puerto Rican. 
<laughs> it's very helpful and, and it opens up a lot and I just did not know that. Uh, the training that you've taken, you mentioned that you were uh, originally kind of going the, the route of what would be traditional healthcare and you became a pediatrician. No, I became a pediatric occupational therapist. Sorry, that's right. A pediatric occupational therapist. Now explain what that does. So occupational therapist is, an occupational therapist helps people to create independence in their daily living skills. That means everything, right? From learning how to go to the bathroom after a stroke, yeah, just to brushing your hair, to washing your, your face, to tying your shoes, mm -hmm. to maybe transitioning from one place to your home from to another. And we typically will work in settings of rehabilitation, physical medicine under like a physiatrist, or we'll work in mental health settings, also creating workshops on daily living skills um, and more or pediatrics, which is working with children of diverse diagnosis who need help to be able to do their daily activities, which in a child would be going to school, um, putting on their shoes to get to school, right? Um, being able to write if that's a goal. Okay, so educational therapy is definitely part of it, not just physical therapy. Then. Right, but also the medical component. Like you need to have a strong enough core or muscles to sit yourself up in a chair in a classroom. Mm -hmm. So it can go deep into the physical aspect as well. Right. And how deep did you get into that that science when you were in Puerto Rico? Were you fully immersed the same way you are now? Um, no, I was working part-time, especially when I had children in pediatric clinics, um, working with children with learning disabilities mostly. Mm -hmm. And that was a passion, of course, since I was a child with a learning disability. Um, then I transitioned when I came to the States. Well, I did, I did pediatrics for a total of 22 years in a traditional setting, but it was an outpatient clinic originally. And then I worked here in a place that was an inpatient outpatient clinic, which means that there was a school where we would treat the kids for special needs within that mm -hmm. school, but we would also receive kids from the community, uh, to get services, mm -hmm. uh, with, and, and we saw everything. Now, in the last 20 years, the shift into seeing more kids with autism has been huge. I mean, I went from having maybe 25% of my, of my kids being children with autism to seeing almost an 80%. 80% of your clients. Mm -hmm. Now, that shocks me. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. Do you have any ideas? I mean, I know we all read things, suspicions about different uh, dietary things that cause it or other, I don't know if it's a drug thing or whatever. Do you have any thoughts as to why that is upticked to that degree? I mean, I think it's very complex. Like if we looked at it in an adult population, that would be, you know, those diagnosis of those complex diagnosis that we now see that don't really have a clear explanation. But I think that really we're our bodies and, you know, our minds are under assault from GMOs in our foods to over, over vaccination, over medicating. Um, a doctor who's incredible, who was a doctor in Central Florida, um, Dr. Canizero, wrote a book called, well, he says it in these phrases. He says, too much, too soon, too fast. Hmm. Too much, too soon, too fast. And he wrote the book, The Four A's, What Does Autism, Allergies, and ADHD Have in Common? And so it's really that root cause, an imbalance in your gut, which then imbalances your brain, which then did it happen in womb? You know, did did a vaccination that doesn't affect one person can affect another person because you're already imbalanced in certain areas of your body mm -hmm. from the time of birth. So there's there's many factors. But do you deal with this current vaccine crisis that's going on? The debate about the 
the whole COVID vaccine? Is that something that you deal with in your job? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, um, I was, I had COVID early on in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, I come from a family of a strong medical background who were strong believers in what we were hearing in the media. And so I, I also, even though I had a lot of doubt in my mind, because it just didn't make sense, this whole push for vaccination and, and my intuitive sense was like this, there's something wrong with this. In order for me to go serve in Puerto Rico as a missionary and be able to interact with the children on the island, I had to be vaxxed. So that was the first time I got vaxxed, even though there was that gut intuition, right, or that discerning spirit telling me not to. And I experienced what they call long COVID or long haul COVID. And that was an awakening for me. Um, and then later, my grandma had a stroke in the city of New York. So I'm like, I'm never getting a vax again. This makes no sense. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be a mutating virus. Viruses mutate, you know, all those logical kind of scientific things you've learned. <laughs> yeah, right. Now you're, you're, you're thinking about it in terms of your own body because of what's just happened then. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, and then my grandma gets put in a skilled nursing facility where they were carting us to be able to go see her. Yeah. Yeah. And so I end up doing the vax again. A second round and experience months of recovery of what they call long COVID. So you took the second dose of Pfizer vaccine. Oh, okay. So I didn't know what I know now, but that takes me, you know, they say that your biggest struggles can become your biggest blessings. And I'm always asking myself, what is the Lord trying to reveal to me through these experiences? Number one, taking personal responsibility. Oops, I didn't know this. So I made this choice. And mm-hmm. then I asked for forgiveness, right? <laughs> like we have to do in so many things right. in life. Then what do we do with that? And that created an awakening. How can I help people know what they're getting into? Basically, basically um, having, there's a specific name that I can't, um, having consent, right? Acknowledgement of what you're getting into before you jump in and do it just because they tell you to. Mm -hmm. So you had this uh, little phrase that you gave us, too fast, too soon, too... Yeah. Um, too, too much, too fast, too soon. There you go. I had I had left out the one in the beginning. So th- that is the criticism that many point toward this one. And there are uh, hundreds of speculative reasons why people uh, can say this came about the way it did. But without a doubt, that thing came very quickly. Without yes. the normal type of testing, without the normal type of trials and experiments, if you will, uh, it, that's a concerning thing. And I would think for someone like yourself from a medical background, uh, you would, you would be very, uh, cautious about that uh, in your own telling people what they could or should do, but you yourself have gone through two of those now. And are you, do you feel like you have recovered from that? Um, for the most part, I feel pretty lucky compared to many of the people I'm now, I'm now interacting with who, who are injured to the point of losing their ability to function in their daily life. Really? Yes, because that's what we're seeing. I mean, we are seeing a large number of people that are injured and hurting. And they were healthy before taking the vaccine. Correct. Wow. Correct. Wow. And I, you know, we've been speaking and there's, um, and I have to, uh, there's a great number of people and groups in Florida working towards teaching people ways to heal, but also people talking and going to commissioners meetings in Orange County to talk about vax injured. And you'll hear story, story after story. It's not just the heart problems then. No, it, it affects, it, it gravitates towards the heart tissue and the brain tissue, which 
it basically can impact your body in multiple well, ways. You but. think of two important areas of your body you don't want to be fooling with. <laughs> yeah. There you go, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's so incredible. Oh, here is, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into the weeds on this question, but I think it has to be asked, why is there such a push to get young children vaccinated the way that that's going on right now? I think that the pharmaceutical industries are looking at profit, not people. I want to think that maybe there was some ignorance involved, that they really honestly felt that they were giving some sort of a solution. But I, I, I can't deny there's some doubt. <laughs> well, there's been a, uh, a heyday, if you will, for the conspiracy theorists out there who would feel that this is a purposeful uh, kind of introduction of what would be maybe devastating type of physical uh, complications that come from something that is supposed to be given in the name of something good. But there were promises given to the American people like you won't get COVID if you take this vaccine. And that has proven not to be the case. Yeah. And I think in this point in our journey, we can't go back in time. But now evidence speaks for itself. People are still getting the virus, no matter how many vaccine and boosters they have. And the risk versus benefits isn't worth it. Well, that is a, a great point. And I think it goes back to this thing that we all have to just be a little bit uh, suspicious of. And it is the why, the why question of mm-hmm. knowing this. And why would we want to introduce to young children who's... Uh, immune systems are really at the top of the game. I mean, let's face it, when you're young, uh, it's a little bit different than when you're my age and you've got comorbidities or there's so many people out there that uh, shouldn't, for those reasons, maybe be introducing something like this. But then you have this, uh, the the guy who helped invent mRNA uh, really speaking out, saying it shouldn't be done or shouldn't be dealt with the way that it's being dealt with. So that's a concern too, right? That is concern. There's a lot of concerns. And and just in in 1975 or in the years that I was growing up, I got 17 vaccinations. When I look at the vaccine cards of my children, they had 69 and I stopped vaccinating them at one point, you know, and I got a 69. Relig- yes. And I got a religious exemption for them because I was get becoming suspicious. Um, and then you add in, and, and then of course in the clinic, when you work in a special needs population, you hear some stories of mamas who said, I had a neurotypical developing child till they got this. Um, and we can deny it. You know, it's not, it's not that everybody will be impacted the same, but the same as we're seeing now. And so I feel like COVID has brought an awareness of something that mo- mothers in the, in the special needs population were managing years prior. Um, so I want to think that this is an awakening, but there's definitely you know, caution to this. Well, it seems like there is an awakening going on. There are a lot of people who are resisting uh, the advice to to get a booster if they've already had the other uh, shots. And there seems to be a a fair amount of uh, kind of resistance teaching by a lot of professionals. I'm seeing more and more doctors coming on, speaking now not so positively about this whole thing. And yet with all of that, there seems to be an ongoing push through commercials or through news stories. It seems like we're just still being surrounded by this fear that if you don't do it, there's going to be another outbreak like 2020 and we're all going to be locked down again. That's that's the kind of feeling that you get, this push. But there is a resistance that's happening today that was not happening uh, two years ago. Yeah, and again, I think I tell people just look at evidence. Evidence speaks for itself. 
but do the research and don't go to just research amongst political parties because mm -hmm. they're going to pull to whatever side but it really doesn't matter the politics this is talk we want to talk about making a conscious choice for your health so get informed and make a conscious choice pray about it too i mean you know listen to that discerning spirit because the lord will speak to us mm -hmm. now we got into this because of the autism question and the the tie to potential vaccines, not just COVID, but other vaccines as well. And it's shocking for me to hear that you, your child had 69. Uh, that causes me to wonder how many have I had? How many vaccinations? You know, we've all got, you know, those of us that are, again, older, we have our little blue health card showing mm -hmm. what all that we had. And vaccines were just hailed as the life-saving gifts uh, when you think of the polio vaccine or the mumps, rubella, all, all of that. Uh, and nowadays, you've got to think about the potential tie-in now to some of these really serious problems like autism. And I think honest conversations on these topics and listening to a mom who feels that her child was injured and that intuitive spirit of a mother is really important to listen to. Um, I needed to honor their experience at the time that I was hearing these stories. And I needed to consider that and I needed to investigate and I needed to educate myself. You know, pray, educate yourself on different documentaries and pray again and analyze, is the, is the risk worth the benefit? Mm -hmm. And there's incredible, there's incredible documentaries on Netflix. There's incredible books out there to look at two sides of things. I think it's important that we look at the two sides. We don't get narrowed into one thought. Mm-hmm. I think that's really well said. And the personal research thing is available on just a number of topics, not just this one. I mean, you think about the impact of foods, fast foods. We think about the mm -hmm. Super Size Me documentary that Great. was put out. That was crazy. And, uh, you know, we yet there are there's not a lot said, not enough said about what uh, overeating those kinds of fried foods will do to the body as well. So right. there's, uh, but it's out there and you can find it if you research it. I'm talking to Selena Brainin Matos with Forward Focus Holistic Health based out of Winter Springs. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. A fun chat today indeed with Selena Brainin Matos. She's with Forward Focus Holistic Health. She actually is the founder and the director of this organization. She was trained in Puerto Rico, got her boards in the United States, and has been helping people. And what I like, I think it's so important, that one thing that we see that is emerging from some of the difficult times health-wise over the last couple of years in the U.S., there seems to be a revival when I talk to people in the healthcare professional industry like yourself, there seems to be more and more people who are wanting to help people first and make that their number one goal and not to just get into this. I mean, you know, there's been for many years this idea that all doctors are wealthy and if you want to become well off, you become a doctor. 
And, <laughs> and yet I've talked to numbers and numbers of doctors who kind of got caught up into the whole system and they were seeing like a hundred people a day and a couple of moments with every person. And, you know, there, there is something lost when that happens to a lot of them. They feel like I lose the personal touch, the ability to really make a difference in a person's life. And I'm hearing you say that really is a high value for you, right? Definitely, definitely. Coming away from the system was uh, created a great sense of freedom to be able to practice my God calling. And it wasn't about productivity or it wasn't about the amount of clients I saw or the revenue that was coming in because of the amount of clients I was seeing. It was about that person. How can I help that person? Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked already about uh, implications as a causal factor that the vaccine could do and to a lesser degree, food. We know the diet. Uh, we've touched on fried foods and sugars, how that that can cause a lot of medical problems with people. And you mentioned all of these, like the allergies, for example, uh, that, that you have. What do you see as the most common thing apart from those? What are things that you see that you have to treat uh, young people for or, or older people for that matter? I mean, if I had to sum it up into categories, I would say um, nervous systems that are what we call upregulated. So stress, overwhelm, anxiety, that's a big common factor. Another one is inflammation. Things that may be causing inflammation, root causes of inflammation can be many, but definitely food and toxins um, and viral loads and vaccines can create inflammation. So those are some of the root causes for sure that we address. And the idea that starting this small clinic when I take off was really, how can I summarize in one session, give somebody a toolbox or a set of tools? And sometimes that may be teaching them what I call free medicine, right? How can you go outside and ground with the earth that the Lord gave us? How can you take deep breaths and have the breath of life and mm -hmm. oxygenate your body to neutralize acidity? How can you do your prayer and meditation in the morning to calm that nervous system? So all those things are going to influence, right? Inflammation and calming our nervous system as some root causes. Um, but, you know, wanting to get to a point where I had gone because of my health issues to see integrative practitioners that cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars or to get tested on my vitamin levels, on my hormone levels. And at the end of the day, it takes just the daily discipline and practice to implement some of these things, some of which are free. And then I'm learning every day and I pray for more is low cost remedies that we can implement into our daily life. Mm -hmm. They're out there. I mean, there were people being healed in the pandemic with low income families in Mexico. Why wasn't that happening in the States? Question mark, question mark, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that's a great question because there are, you know, I think of <laughs> the TV show, The Beverly Hillbillies, Granny always had some sort of uh, root medicine or something that she was talking about. But there are a lot of people who do approach even serious illnesses, treating them holistically. Explain how you see the, the term holistically uh, in your own business name. How do you see that impacting uh, well, it's looking at the whole person and again, looking at the toolbox of solutions that they might have at hand. If somebody comes to me post COVID with a long COVID or post vax or combination of both and says to me, I'm broke, I'm on disability and I don't know what to do. I really pray about what in my toolbox can I offer them that gives them hope? And that hope will many times be the, that beacon of hope will make the difference between that person possibly committing suicide because they feel hopeless. Oh, wow. 
that's a big uh, difference right there. When you can make that kind of difference in a person, that it's true. Hope, uh, you know, you know, when you have a hopeless situation, your heart sick is sick, according to the Bible. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when a person is hopeless, they are they're in a bad bad state. And you know, the season that we're in right now is called by professionals one of the most dangerous seasons. The Christmas season, the month of December, uh, it seems like there's an uptick in people being depressed, and it, it, that's a it's, that's a concern, right? Definitely, hopelessness kicks in. I mean, the whole we've it's not getting easier. So, faith number one, you really need to have faith. Like when people ask me, "Why do you follow Christ?" Because it gives me faith, mm-hmm. and I'm able to walk in faith, and I'm practice faith, and I'm surrounded by people who give me faith when I don't have it. You know, that's key, but also having some concrete tools that you can use to improve your health, to detoxify your body, to start feeling better, to get out of bed and serve your godly purpose is also, you know, you need it for hope. Mm -hmm. You need it for hope. Now, here's a question for you, for all of us that need to lose a few pounds, even before the holiday season is fully upon us here with Christmas dinners and all of the figgy pudding and everything that people will be eating. Uh, let's let's talk for a moment uh, about this whole thing of metabolism. How can a person, uh, let's, let's say, get their metabolism sparked and going? What, what would you tell people if you see their diet is uh, inhibiting that? Well, I definitely go back to those some of the root causes, right, that, I, that that we address and that other practitioners address, but inflammation and stress. So what can you do this season to make sure that you have the right self-care, that you're doing your pre- prayer, meditation, gratitudes, to stay in the right mindset? And I say fake it till you make it. You know, you give gratefulness and faith before it actually happens, mm-hmm. and it'll help you get through this season. And then avoid, ideally, in the ideal case scenario, at least when you're not at a Christmas party, avoid you know i'd love for people to avoid gluten or flours sugar dairy soy corn i mean those are the top inflammatory foods and it's basically avoiding processed food eat more god-made food not man-made food um you know you can go to a daniel's fast you can do different things to to stay straight when you can because you are going to have those christmas parties where you know you're going to have your glass of wine and some sugar most probably um in the name of Jesus, right? Um. <laughs> well, you know, when we eat sugar, I mean, is there a good sugar or is all sugar bad? Uh, pretty much. I mean, it got, it, God made sugars, which, you know, wouldn't be processed cane sugar. Like if you could go get, you know, uh, molasses and if you could go get honey from a local honey farm, which I actually know somebody who's amazing in Okoe, if anybody wants to know. But uh, so there are bee farmers out there still. Um, mm-hmm. We use a lot of honey in my house. Yeah, we uh, do too. Yeah, love it. Yeah. And it's great. It's a good replacement for jelly on toast if you're going to eat toast. But then I'm hearing you say avoid gluten. So, Well, it's the processed flours. I mean, again, if we had been, you know, uh, sourcing our foods in a godly manner and not processing and over-processing, but the moment you get too much man-made processing in anything, it seems like we kind of mess things up, right, as sinners. Okay. <laughs> And, and that's what the body starts to crave. Isn't that the truth? If you eat some uh, big and wonderful piece of pie, it's not like you're satisfied. You want more. Yeah, and my, kid, my children uh, criticize that I say that it's more addictive than crack. Um, they get very <laughs> bothered by right. that comment. <laughs> I think you're actually right. 
but they've proven that in studies. Yeah. They've proven that in studies. And I tell my children, yes, you know, you dive in and you're going to want more. And, and I oh, used to get, so true. I used to get criticized because I would take them foods to birthday parties, but I would tell my friends, you know, we've got to avoid sin, addictive behaviors. And the more we practice, we hopefully get better at it. Right. And sugar is just a practice of maybe avoiding other promiscuous behaviors or risky behaviors in your life. So you're saying, and just to be clear about this for people, uh, eating too much sugar or maybe even a little bit of sugar in some people causes a, a flare up of inflammation in the body. Now Definitely. for people who have arthritis, that can be a very serious flare up. Definitely. And if you combine that with processed flours, that's another flare up and you don't need to go get expensive tests done. Just get off those foods for six weeks and see how you feel. Now, that's a great point. Let's take a, a, just a moment and talk about that. A trial is what you're saying, a trial run of avoiding certain types of foods for six months, so uh, six weeks. So I'm, I'm assuming that the body needs to have that kind of time to really determine if there's, hey, the guy's doing something different now. Correct. Six weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be different studies with different theories. Um, generally, dairy is something that stays in our bodies about you know, a couple of weeks, um, gluten and dairy tend to stay longer. So those are things that you need to give more time. I mean, that's just an average, but I think it's an easy solution. Trial something, stick to it for a period of time. And if you talk to a lot of Christians, they'll tell you that when they're fasting or when they're doing a Daniel's fast, they feel a lot better. They lose weight. I also don't want to overemphasize weight, right? Because inches to me or muscle mass are really important things. I'm not a super skinny person and I eat quite healthy. Um, you know, so I'm just saying, just don't overemphasize on weight. Think of health, think of wellness, think mm -hmm. of feeling more energetic, being able to serve your God purpose. You know, and I think uh, just, it would be wonderful for, <laughs> be a great gift for many people if they didn't feel so stiff and didn't feel so, uh, let sore. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm talking to myself right now because I've dealt with arthritis and that is, that's not a fun feeling. You know, as we get older, that whole thing, if you don't lose it, you, if you don't use it, you, you lose, lose it. it. Mm -hmm. And that's really true. And, and I think people need to be moving more, right? Definitely. And even when it hurts, you end up feeling better if you actually get out there and move. I'm sure you've experienced that, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you got to stretch and do all the proper things before it to keep an injury from happening. But this is, uh, I believe, really great advice here on the heels, a lot of people are saying, oh, why did Selena have to say that now? Because I'm going to be guilty when I eat my big piece of pie. So, <laughs> But that's okay. Uh, it's important to hear it because we can avoid some of the uh, strains. And, you know, you talked about stress, the role it plays. When you're, when you're hurting, that is in itself a stress, isn't it? Right. And also, like, what do you have control over? I mean, I don't have control about what's in the air right now or the chemtrails. But I do have control over how much inflammatory foods I put in my body. So I think that's just important. And then people say to me, well, you're going to die anyways. You know, you're going to be called. And I mean, you know, forget it. And you're even vaxxed. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, yes, but while I am here, I want to live a high quality of life and serve my godly purpose. Wonderful. How long it's going to last, I don't know. None of us do. That's up to God. But we can, uh, in the words of a good friend and a doctor, he's, he said it's not just the, uh, the quantity of our life, but it's the quality of our life. We Amen. can feel better with whatever time we do have left on this earth. Selena, give us your website. 
um, it's www.forwardfocus.info. Forwardfocus.info. That's www.forwardfocus.info. And it's a base in Winter Springs, and Selena Brainin Matos is the founder and uh, the person behind this movement of uh, health. That sounds like it makes a whole lot of sense to me that we just need to do what we know to do, give it that trial basis. That might be a good uh, and and a New Year's resolution that might actually work if, if a person is feeling that kind of uh, stove up and they, they got too much inflammation. Try a six-week uh, trial basis of avoiding these things. Yes. It, and that, there... Go ahead. I'm sorry. And there's incredible, incredible groups in Central Florida also that I want to give credit to that are, you know, really looking into ways that we can help people. So, you know, if you want to get connected to groups like FLCCN and different um, health networks that are out there, we have Tuesday calls, there's FLCCC, there's a bunch of groups out there that have continuous weekly calls to learn more and have learn about solutions. I mean, yes, you're going to hear the the difficult things, but you're also going to hear about ways that we can we can help each other. You know, I think uh, closing this out, I think of a, a phrase that a pastor in uh, the East Coast of Florida said over and over and over. He said, if you keep on doing what you're already doing, you're going to have a whole lot more of what you've already got. <laughs> I think a that's a good yeah. phrase right there. Selena Brayman Matos, thank you for being with me. Thank you, Mike. And we'll see you folks. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.